Hello and welcome to Meet My Potential Podcast. This is your host Deepa Natarajan, that Indian girl from Toulouse in France. And today we're going to talk to Trevor Kamen from UK. He is the Director of Knowledge, Learning and Development at Mills and Reeves Law Firm. In this episode, we're going to talk about rewilding leadership. What does it mean to shift from being agents of change to being stewards of change? This is a complete shift in paradigm. It's questioning how we approach leadership and personal development and what conversations we need to have. It's about a shift in moving from a place of what needs to be improved, what needs to be changed, rather to what needs to unfold. And as I always say, the potential is there within you, within your organization, within your teams. It's about how do we go about unfolding that. Let's welcome Trevor in this episode. Hello, Trevor. Welcome to this episode where we're going to talk about rewilding leadership. How are you doing this morning? I'm doing very well. Thank you, Deepa. So we met at this Growth Edge interview program right about in 2020 when COVID hit us. Exactly. That's right. And uh, you've then gone on to develop this whole concept about rewilding leadership. Tell us a little bit more what that is. Yeah, well, rewilding leadership is, is, is a metaphor, really. It's um, something I've been interested in. Uh, rewilding is something I've been interested in for a while uh, in terms of, sort of soil regeneration and agriculture. Um, and it just struck me that there are quite a lot of sort of carryover metaphors one can make into the world of leadership development. Um, so that's, so it's, it's, a, it's just a little concept to, to play with, really, is to um, and perhaps think about how how we de- develop, you know, leadership development um, approaches in organisations. So, give me give us a good picture of what that metaphor actually looks like. So, I think the key one is that um, in the rewilding movement, we as humans see ourselves as stewards of the land rather than change agents. Um, so, rather than um, assuming that using tractors, fertilizer, navigation, satellite systems, we can bend um, nature to our will, um, which is arguably the sort of farming approach that's dominated up to this point. Um, the, the rewilding movement kind of like works with the natural grain of our natural ecosystem, and therefore the humans within it um, are stewards. Of, of that growth and development rather than agents. Um, and so the metaphor I think that, you know, you can pass across from that into, into leadership development is that, you know, there's a lot of talk about change agents and developing people, um, people wanting to make an impact, um, make a difference. All of these sort of metaphors have this element of human agency. Um, whereas if you apply the, the metaphor of stewardship, um, the role of, of leadership development is to be stewards of other people's growth and development um, to provide the context and the culture and the nurture um, to allow them to develop in the way uh, that their natural system is calling them to develop. So it's a, it's a difference in tone, it's a slight difference in mindset. Um, and an example from my own experience would be, you know, the 
that the change agent facilitator stands at the front of the room with the flip chart and has the agenda. Um, and quite often you get the, uh, the rather cynical uh, participant who, who thinks, well, you're just waiting there. You know the answer. You're just going to flip over the, once we get there, you're going to ask us questions. Once we get there, you'll flip over the, the flip charts and you'll tell us what the right answer was all along. Um, so that's the kind of like the, a traditional change agent type approach to, um, to development. Whereas a stewardship approach, um, would be, well, certainly something we've experienced is where actually you create the conditions and the, and the context for, um, development groups in this case to, um, to meet uh, and you outside the room, you provide support in terms of helping uh, the person who's decided to be a facilitator with the, with the content and the facilitation of the meeting. But actually when the, when the development group takes place, we, the leadership development people are outside the room. Um, and so that's quite a, um, it's quite disturbing in a way <clears throat> to one's own sense of um, identity um, because the development is happening without you there, whereas it's, for many trainers and facilitators, there's a strong sense that they need to be there for change to happen. Absolutely. The immediate example that I can think of and is this. My daughter got, is turning 18, and she's going to organize her birthday party. And she said to me, well, I'm just going to invite about 30 to 40 people, and everybody's going to bring something. And I said, so are you going to create an Excel to say who brings what and fill that up? And she says, no, that's not how it works here with our friends. I says, how does it work? And she said, like every time people organize parties, everybody just pitches in and says, this is what I'm bringing, this is what I'm bringing. I said, so if you have 40 people telling you who's bringing what, like, and this is how you've been running parties in your class, uh, don't you ever waste things? Like, do you, don't you not end up with having too many bottles of Pepsi or Coke rather than enough orange juice? Uh, and she says, no, that never happens. So there isn't one person who's leading, organizing. The whole system is kind of just adjusting. Everybody is taking a responsibility for their part, like, and deeply listening. I'm so amazed of how well they listen to what the need is and what is actually needed mm. for the group and, a, and you know, adjust in terms of that. And if I bring that back to exactly what you're talking about, it's like the system is self-organizing itself in a stewardship mo model, where people are taking ownership and there's a sense of collective responsibility. Mm. What's Absolutely. your take on that? Absolutely. And that's, um, you know, in the organization that I work, that's the, exactly the, the approach we took is that we, we wanted to do more, you know, the, 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 the equivalent of the CEO said that we needed to do more leadership development for the, for the, for the senior leaders in the organization. Uh, and my response was, well, I don't know what that looks like. Mm -hmm. um, I haven't seen it. I haven't got a model I can I can give you that um, I think would be effective in in the in the context of in this case, uh, no, our law firm partnership. Um, so we got we got we got a group of ten partners together, and we literally started with the questions of why are we why do we need to develop, what do we need to develop, how do we develop, when you know <laughs> just some, just the basic questions, um, and that was. Um, you know, it was a fantastically generative journey. Mm -hmm. um, but there was one point, just going back to sort of revealing the answer point, when when the CEO came up to me and said, 
No, Trevor, I really am beginning to believe that you have no idea what we're going to do. And I said, yeah, no, that, that's right. <laughs> and it was a moment I, of where, where I think for her, mm-hmm. this suddenly became interesting. This was no, no longer a case of picking programs off a, off a list of you know, a bullet list or, or actually we were just kind of like um, socializing them to, to some kind of um, end point we wanted to get them. When she actually generally felt, I think, that she was as much a part of solving this conundrum um, as everybody else, that was, that, that was the genuine, to some extent, the genuine engagement. Tell me a little bit more, like concretely, what does a conversation actually look like? Like when you bring people together and you talk about like, why do we need to grow, in which area we need to grow and how do we grow? What's the energy, what's the quality of that conversation? Well, I, I, well I, in, in, in formulating that program, along with my colleague, was heavily influenced by the systemic team coaching model of, of Peter Hawkins and um, the Academy of Executive Coaching. So um, it was very much regarding it as a team, you know, a, compl- a team within a complex adaptive system um, and facilitating, you know, a series of workshops where, you know, using some, some tools and techniques, but nothing very sophisticated um, to simply answer the questions. And why, why do law firm partners need personal development? Because, um, you know that that the mood move music on that has changed dramatically uh, over the, in, in the years since we started. Um, but for many partners, personal development is you know, at that time they didn't see it as being something they wanted to engage in, and they couldn't see really what the purpose was. So it's really going back to those basic basic questions: um, mm. why, what, how, um, how do we do this? Because so what firms, came up in that discussion of like? Why do law firm partners need leadership development? Well, what, because they really, well, because, I mean, the answers are, are, are not unique. I mean, we are, you no, know, the, the law, as in all other industries, is going through massive um, dislocation and change and rapid uh, growth in complexity. Um, and partners feel increasingly. Um, well, there's two things going on. Older partners feel increasingly that they um, are struggling to handle uh, the level of complexity, given that their early career was a very was really very simple. They they did law. They sent letters back and forth. It was it was a relatively simple um, process. And now you know, the complexity uh, has has escalated. For younger partners, more of a sense of uh, I know I need to be developed. I've come from I've come through a culture of development. Um, and I need to continue developing um, as a partner. Um, so, so slightly different, coming from slightly different angles and arriving at the same place. Um, but also, I think the, the thing which has been really important is making development psychologically safe. Mm-hmm. Um, so for many people, uh, the, you know, the barriers to engagement, time and, and safety, um, I think, were, you know, Probably the two two issues that if you'd ask partners why they why they wouldn't want to get involved, time always an issue for law firm partners, um, but also safety. How safe is this for me to be vulnerable and reveal myself beyond my legal um, persona? Absolutely. You know, um, I ran a group. Of, I don't want to say use the word group, but it, because it finally became a tribe, I ran a program and with 
six people coming from six different countries because they wanted to change something in the way they lead, in the way they live. They came to the program because they had a very strong, deep desire. The why that you're talking about, they had it in them. And so when they went through that change program, like 90% of them made significant changes in that program. And that's because they came with a very deep personal why. But if I take the same program into an organization, this is exactly the conversation we need to have because, you know, you can't take a program and say, okay, here's the new culture, here's the new way to go, and this is where we want you to all shift, and therefore please come into this leadership program. Uh, you know, it doesn't speak to me. It doesn't resonate with me. And, you know, three levels down, somebody at the top who's written down why we need to go in a certain direction, why do we need to do something. So I think at every level in the organization, one of the fundamental things that you're talking about is like we need to actually – Talk about like, what's that why for me? And this is the conversation in the space that you're creating is to have that conversation. It's like, why do we need this development? Like before even we get people and put people into a developmental program is like, do you know, so people create their own, uh, their own narrative around mm. that. And the second thing is like, as you're creating your own narrative, you're not doing that uh, in a conversation with yourself. You're actually doing that in a conversation with your colleagues, which actually, you know, makes it, automatically safe because you're creating trust through vulnerability. Hmm, absolutely. And, and you're also shifting the, the, the paradigm, if you like, from, from this sort of self-improvement approach, which is, comes back to that agency, and I will force you to be a better leader, um, to more of a self-unfoldment approach, which is a, a trust that you have what you need within you, and if we can create the conditions um, that will emerge, which, again, sort of has, has loose parallels with the, um, the rewilding <laughs> approach. Yeah, and a little I like story. The self unfoldment I mean, over there. Yeah. Um, it and you know when you talk about rewilding, I immediately think of uh, a forest. A forest is so green. Uh, you know, the leaves fall. Nobody picks up the leaves. Like in my garden, we just go up picking up the you know leaves at the end of autumn. Uh, the leaves fall and. It creates a natural ecosystem for new plants to develop. And this is actually what you're talking about in Revolving Leadership. And how do you actually take it to that level? Yeah, well, you're absolutely right. It's the, bi you know, it's the, it's, it's, it's the biodiversity, you know, the, the forests. I mean, if anyone's read Isabella Tree's book on rewilding in, here in the UK, you know, it starts off really talking about how forests, um, in ancient times, times of King John, the 12th century in the UK, weren't all full of trees. There were vast patches of, of grass, meadow, there were cow, no, cows, deer, um, this, exactly as you described, a, a diverse biosystem, ecosystem that, that, that's self-generating. Um, how, how do, I mean, how, how do we do that? I mean, as I say, and I don't want to make it sound like this is more more elaborate or sophisticated than it is, but I think it is that constant communication with partners, in my case, leaders, um, to address the uh, issues that are are relevant and present for them, rather than necessarily the ones that um, you know the organisational agenda would would see as most important. But of course, you get to the same you know you get to the same place by trusting people to to work on what's important to them. Um, so a lot of um, the work we now, well, we, we use the leadership circle um, quite a lot as a sort of, as part of the, the personal development approach, because that does uh, create the groundwork for this idea of unfolding rather than self-improvement. Um, 
but a lot of the work we do is in triads um, working on on real issues that partners are bringing and you know in my personal opinion i would say many of these sessions are only 90 minutes um because partners are bringing real issues um the value of those sessions is is extraordinary in terms of the um shift uh in people's uh, mindsets and then and then behaviors so yeah so in terms of these trials you know, the value per minute i think is is, is really is, is huge because people are bringing the real presenting problems and issues that they are facing um and you know in these triad sessions where the only kind of rule is it's got to be about the shift in you that creates the shift in the environment that we're going to going to focus on we're not going to focus on um the contextual issues the technical problems and details we're going to keep on bringing it back to what needs you know what's the shift in you that needs to shift the shift the context um and when and when when you bring people back to that 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 question um yeah some quite remarkable mind shifts take place i think can you give an example yes i can one i mean a, a common story um in a partnership some of it context specific but a partner very overwhelmed very time poor um very ragged and stressed by the demands of her team the demands of her clients you know the the internal uh, demands um and also in this case a very big complex high profile case that required a lot of her personal attention so absolutely stressed um this case will go on for some time um how does she manage this this issue um initially the conversation was around the you know the the technical issues if you know the technical versus that versus adaptive you know the technical issues around project management resourcing recruiting all that kind of stuff um but bringing it back to the adaptive challenge what does what needs to shift in her and being asked that question was this sort of penny dropping moment when she said i have to let go of some of my client relationship my client partner relationships um and within the context of a law firm that's a really brave thing to do because as as you may know their partners are judged by their client billing fees etc um this case although it's big will go away and then where will she be will she have enough clients will will the firm say she's not performing properly um at the same time that is the right thing to do of course it's the right thing for more senior partners to hand over client relationships to more junior partners so um the solution in some ways was was well not obvious because i think it was obvious at that to her at that time um but it required that mind that it required the kind of like the shift in mindset to really see that she needed to shift that and she needed to trust herself and trust the organization which she does to to do that um and she has still done that and um, she has since done that um and that's a good organizational outcome because it's an example of a senior partner giving away It's a fabulous example of you know where we come to a point in our career where we have the capabilities of solving a particular problem and it's no more about how do I solve this problem but it's rather about what is the shift that is needed in me to handle the complexity and 
you're actually having a coaching conversation and it's not one person having a coaching conversation with a coach, but it's rather in a triad. So you actually um, get the collective benefit of each person uh, trying to nudge and poke uh, her greater self to come out. And what more than that, that's how you create stewards in this planet, right? Mm-hmm. And, and so much, again, talking about so much of it is trust. And as you say that, I mean, the, just to use the metaphors we've used all right now, that the, the kind of like the solution, if you like, the, 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 the aha moment came came in a sort of unfolding moment. It was there. It just needed the space and sort of psychological safety to, to be voiced. And then, as you say, having a collective group of partner, supportive partners, talking it through, recognizing the, and saying, yeah, no, no, you know, and voicing and making it real. Absolutely. All of those things were at play in that kind of situation. Yeah. No, I ran an experiment. And in fact, it wasn't an experiment. It just happened. It turned out that way. I coached about six people through a particular change program. And then I did a group who went through the exact same program. So in terms of context and material, the group went through the exact same things. They had the same coach, whereas the individuals who went through the same program worked on worked with me on a one-to-one basis. And guess what? The people who are part of the group program made significantly more shifts rather than people who had one-to-one coaching. We think one-to-one coaching is a privilege. Actually, the power of a tribe and the power of collective is so much bigger. I, I think that's absolutely right. And I think, again, it's kind of sort of, you know, using this very loose rewilding metaphor, it's, it's working with the the grain of what is rather than what we want to be. We have always grown up in collective tribes. We've always had um, a collective approach to life. You know, um, the, the sort of the atomization, the idea that you can precisely decide on the right sort of fertilizer balance to give to the precise seed in the in the satellite-driven tractor. That etc. <laughs> there's, there's a kind of like a myth of, um, of omnipotence and agency. But really, there's much deeper forces at work, and we kid ourselves if we think that you know, um, by atomizing things, we're going to to really make them better. <laughs> it reminds me of uh, Bill Clinton, who said, "When we have diverse set of challenges, we need diverse perspectives." Mm. Absolutely. <laughs> Thank you so much, uh, Trevor, for being here with us. And before we end this episode, what's one message you'd like to share with the audience? Oh, I hadn't thought of that. Well, there's one, just one, there's one thing I was, I was just had in my mind, which is, you know, we both met on the growth agent, um, uh, coaching and you know, this adult development. Um, and I've been used, we've been using the, you know, the Bill Talbot, um, vertical leadership cards. I don't know if people are familiar with them, but you can put these cards on the, on the floor or on the table and, and look at the stages of adult development. Um, and we did this exercise with a bunch of partners a while ago. Um, and one partner just stood there looking at this. And they once we sort of finished moving the cards around, and you know, when asked for a response, said, "This gives me hope." And that's always stuck with me because what he was really saying is, you know, I, I'm in this job. I'm a law firm partner. You can be a law firm partner for 30 years, and it's not really very clear how you, you know what the stages are, etc. But looking at the adult development map, you know, from expert, achiever, redefining, et cetera, for him, it was kind of, okay, this gives me hope that, that, that there's, there's somewhere to go in terms of my own growth. 
Um, so I think that that roadmap and that sense of there is more that is possible um, is also a very important part of this. Um, it's not just about developing at a at a place. It's about a journey of of development that actually does have some some uh, some broad indicators and some sort of guidelines, if you like. Absolutely. And for listeners listening out there, you just spent 20 minutes with Trevor and myself. Um, and this is also part of that growth plan. And we can be here growing for the next 600 years, but time is a little bit more limited than that. But there's just so much to go on. And so let's continue on this journey of questioning, curiosity, and growing together collectively. Thank you so much, Trevor, for being here with us. Thank you, Deepa. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Every time I have a conversation with someone, I learn so much. And I hope you do too. Insights, learning, and growth is what we're here for at the end of the day. So if you haven't subscribed to the magazine yet, head over to meetmypotential.com and subscribe to the bi-monthly magazine that you will get directly in your inbox. Thank you so much for listening. I look forward to talking to you soon again. And until then, stay cool. Stay cool.